depending on how big or small your business is, but to some degree, you're the owner, you're the manager, and you're the talent. So we need to manage you to make sure that we're keeping your resilience when we are the other. And so how do we start? We carve out 10 minutes and you start thinking. Maybe 10 minutes this week is focusing on your values, listing that out. So you're really grounded in what is meaningful for you. And then another exercise next week, I can provide ideas and suggestions. So even if all you're doing is saying, all right, I'm going to invest 10 minutes on myself, on my own resilience once a week for four weeks. Within four weeks, you'll have your plan. It's not that long, but you've protected that time. Welcome to the Women Choosing Growth podcast, where we feature inspiring stories of success, challenges of growth, and lessons learned from women entrepreneurs, industry experts, and thought leaders who have been through the growing pains inevitable as an entrepreneur. Whether you are just getting started or are looking to scale up your business, our show is designed to provide you with the tools, resources, and community you need to grow your business. Join your host, Tina Sue, a lifelong entrepreneur and business growth advisor, as we explore topics such as marketing, sales, finance, leadership, and personal growth, all tailored specifically to the needs of women entrepreneurs. So if you're ready to grow your business faster and smarter, then this podcast is for you. Thanks for tuning in and let's get started. Resilience is not an innate character trait. Whether you are a leader, an entrepreneur, a mother, just a human being, you need to implement a strategy that builds and nurtures resilience. You need a resilience plan. Award-winning mental health expert Marie-Hélène Peltier holds a PhD and an MBA and has 20 years' experience in clinical and workplace psychology. She draws from this extensive knowledge in psychology and business to show how resilience is a key defense against burnout and how everyone can build it in themselves, not with a one-size-fits-all plan, but a custom strategy. She talks to us today about the practical exercises you can do to create a goal-oriented, tailored strategy to protect your mental and physical health and overall success in the future. Let's hear from her. Welcome, ladies, to another episode that I guarantee everyone needs to listen to. To quote today's guest, professionals are fabulous and at risk. Because of the inherent demands, professionals often assume they are naturally resilient due to their ability to handle more than the average person. Us women know that most of us feel the same way. However, Dr. M.H. Peltier challenges this assumption, highlighting that resilience is a skill that can be cultivated intentionally. Her book, The Resilience Plan, offers a transformative roadmap tailored specifically for successful professionals just like you. Plus, she's with us today to dive into these challenges that we all face and provide us actionable solutions. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thrilled to be here. We are so excited to be here. Um, I know your book is coming out in 2024, so right around the corner. And I absolutely love it. I know I've told you off off camera here today that I feel like everyone really does need to have a resilience plan. But before we dive into that, I would love for you to share with our listeners how what was your journey to even get here and be the professional that you are? I know. 
journeys are always interesting. I always find uh, find it fascinating to to hear that for, about anybody. Um, mine uh, started as a psychologist, and my work uh, led me to work mostly in workplace mental health. So employee and family assistance program, various professionals, that kind of thing. And I happen to live in very, in a Northern region in Canada. So small, way isolated, up there. <laughs> way up there. And, uh, and this was at, uh, this was about 20 years ago. So before we had uh, all the technology that would connect someone in a remote area as easily as we are now, to any major city or anywhere in the world. So that led me to do research 20 years ago in telehealth, um, which now is very obvious, but at the time wasn't. And doing this type of research at that time required a lot of um, technology, people, and of course, you're a doctoral student, so you don't have money. So I needed to, <laughs> to obtain funding, manage actual uh, fairly large amounts of funding and people which then made me realize, oh, I actually enjoy management. So then I went into learning about this um, in a part-time uh, MBA program, then ended up uh, starting my first leadership roles, very junior, middle manager, senior manager, public sector, private sector, recruited to work at Sun Life Financial. And after all this, I uh, decided to start my own my own company, where I do mostly speaking, uh, coaching, and still have a small practice as a psychologist. And a lot of these transitions happened in a combination of following my nose, what I feel I'm interested in, and uh, at times, not fully creating opportunities. I don't think I have 100% of the power to do this, but certainly planting enough seeds that things would come up. Um, and then other things just happening, I think, in part by chance and um, and following that. That is quite the journey. And I think it's fair to say that you have both sides, right? You had talked about you have a PhD and you have an MBA. Yes, Combined, so combined. it's like we've got the science and the and, and that sort of side along with the business. So that's you bring a wealth of knowledge on the subject, which I love. Uh-huh. Well, and paired with experience. So I've been on all the lines of fire <laughs> that we find <laughs> ourselves on, um, whether we're you know managing, uh, leading, uh, starting. Uh, whether it's entrepreneurial, completely outside, or even intrapreneurial, so starting things within a larger uh, organization. I've been to all these places and then starting my own shop. So um, I get these kinds of demands as well, personally. Yes, yes, awesome. Why don't we start out with what what is resilience, first of all? Let's start at the basics. Yes, great question, because we say and hear the word all the time. But really, what do we mean? Even in the academic literature, there are different definitions of it. But one that's most used, mostly used uh, and that I use as well is our ability to go through adversity and grow from it, come out even stronger. And adversity here can be acute, so a very demanding uh, specific phase, or could be chronic, many demands happening over time and staying there over a long period of time. And as we know, sometimes both come in at the same time uh, and both come in, even though we're focused on, say, the work aspect of things, the demands that we're getting on the personal side all funnel into us, the one same person. So when we're talking about 
going through all these demands. It's from everywhere. And that's important because sometimes we minimize the amount of demands we have. We only focus on the tough ones, the work ones. And the reality is that we've got a full range. Yes. There's so many things coming at us in life, right? Yes. And it can be fine, especially if we're looking at them with a realistic eye, as opposed to a minimizing eye. Right. Or a head down, I'm just going to get through this mentality. <laughs> yeah. But I, there's been many uh, professional, very successful women as guests that um, I've heard if you know, head down, head down and just get through it. Just it's temporary, but it also causes a lot of things for us. Right. So I'm glad that you're here today to share some of that. One thing that I did, I got a sneak peek of your book, obviously. Um, So one story that I absolutely loved from your book that I think might help to kind of put this in perspective for our listeners is the story of your hiking excursion. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I feel like like I felt like when reading it that that I was there with you and could then completely relate to th- that situation. Do you mind sharing that? Oh, happy to share it. Um because yes, I do a fair bit of this, the hiking, the treks, the multi-days in the mountains and everything and love it. Um and the one story I I share at the beginning of the book is that when my husband, Nick, and I had gone for this eight-day traverse in the, the Canadian Rockies. So you go in somewhere and you get out eight days later. And we had done a fair bit of these things in many different places before. And why would this one be any different, really? <laughs> we had the tools, the experience, the, the skills to do this. Um, and so we were very confident we would reach our goal except by day four, we were really struggling. And by day eight, we were exhausted. And by day eight, we when, while we were exhausted, we got to this river that uh, we had to cross. And But the river was much bigger than expected because it was, um, th- there had been snow melting. Uh, and so the snow, the, the river was more tumultuous and much bigger. Mm-hmm. And so we got to this river, we're exhausted, Nick crosses the river, we look at each other from each side of the river to to talk. And of course, you have to go in the river to cross it. There's no bridge in this kind of situation. <laughs> so so we look at each other to talk and, and we cannot even hear each other. Um, that's a 12-step type river, so it's not extremely wide, but it's not two steps either. And the river is bigger. So Nick gestures that he's going to come back and get me. And I'm, I'm here and I'm like, no, 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 one of us has crossed it stay there. I, and I'm gesturing, I will come to you, stay there. (laughs) And and so then I look at how I'm going to do this. And then I go in the river. But the second I got in the river, the current grabbed my legs, pulled me off my feet. I'm going head down in the river. And now I feel that water's coming and I have zero control. Basically, no matter how adaptable, resilient, anything. It doesn't matter. I have zero control by then. And, but then the next thing I feel is this force grabbing me by the backpack and throwing me on the second side of the river. And that was uh, Nick, of course, that saw this, was able to get me and, and all this. But as you can imagine, by then we're on the second side of the river and not talking and realizing what could have happened. And 
one lesson for me at the time, my lesson was very focused on this exact situation. I was thinking, oh, okay. So the bigger problem or the the learning potentially for both of us, because we both got our lesson from this, (laughs) was that... uh, was that really that river was not just bigger. The bigger problem in this situation was the fact that we, him and I, did not do the the things that usually protect us. We did not plan together. We did not work together. In this case, I did not accept help. And it did put both of our safety at risk. But then as I later reflected on this situation, I was thinking, oh, look at this. This is the same thing that happens to us. And that's why it's in the book. Because, right, in in situations where things are mostly fine, we're good. We're taking care of ourselves, our resilience, naturally. It's happening. It's there. Where we're most at risk is the equivalent of that day eight there, where more demands are coming, like in this case, a much bigger river. And then we sort of let go of things that usually would have protected us, like me accepting help, for example. And we do the head down thing. Mm-hmm. And that's when we're most at risk. And so how can we protect ourselves? But it's in part by having a plan that we start implementing and keep, even in these situations where we're not letting go, we're not just putting head down. We're saying, oh, look at this. This is a situation where many more things are going on. I feel like just putting my head down and I'm not going to do this. I will step back for a moment, look at my plan, make sure I maintain my protections And that will then allow me to go through this additional level of demands in a way that's healthy, maintains my safety, um, my health, and my ability to go through this successfully. So that's that story. Yeah. I, so I, you know, I read it, but you just saying it again today gave me literally sitting here with goosebumps because I feel like that your situation, you know, your, your experience, you're like, I've got this, we've done this a million times, like we're, physically, mentally skilled, we've got all the plans, like, why would we not be able to cross this river just because we're tired, right? And it hits you. I thought, I guess I feel so relatable to it. Um, Not that I would ever be hiking (laughs) in the mountains. (laughs) I'm a low, um, low adrenaline kind of girl. But, but in life, right, you think you've got it. And then something wipes your feet out from underneath you. And in, in, in career world, or you're running a business or you're a leader, it's like, it could be something just like that, where you've done this a million times and it, something hits you by surprise that you weren't ready for. Right. And then how do you deal with that? That's where it's like, Oh, I could, I can relate many. I think everyone listening can relate, which is so important. So I guess then that brings us to the question of like, when life you li- literally knocks you off your feet, like where do you, where is your expertise come in for this? Cause I think it's happened to every one of us. Yes. Yes. Well, the ideal thing to do is proactive, right? It's the same for our physical health. It's the same for any challenges we experience, even at work, anytime we can catch something <laughs> proactively, right? Right. We, we've monitored and we start seeing the glitch and we deal with it now so much easier than not monitoring, thinking it's going fine. And then, you know, oh my God, big problem we need to manage. So it's the same for business. It's the same for our physical health and it's the same for our resilience. So I would say ideally 
the sooner now, potentially, especially if right now you're feeling pretty good, let's say things are decent, it happens, there are phases like this, then I would say now is a fabulous time to start your thinking and planning for maintaining and optimizing your resilience and preparing for moments where the demands may be very, very high. If we are now in a phase that is very, very high, then I would say we'll get back to the planning later because now we're in it and we need to manage it. And the the actual specific response will vary from person to person. I would say from a high-level general perspective, some of the things we know from research will make a difference. You know them. It's not a problem of not knowing, it's the doing. But the four that tend to be uh, the most efficiently tied to resilience are the exercise, so cardio, strength training, and meditative type activity, um, protecting your sleep, protecting um, your nutrition, huge impact on our resilience. It's not just a nice to have, it's central. And then time with people we enjoy spending time with. And there are others, like we know time in nature makes a difference. Volunteering makes a difference, assuming you have enough hours to help a bit with, you know, with this, which there are phases where it's not the best thing to do. So these are examples. And if you're really like in, in the middle of it right this second, and you're like, I can't even do any of these things, MH, then, then it's the breathing, literally slowing your breath, getting all the air out, pausing, and then bringing it back in. Because slowing down our breathing is probably the language that the brain understands the fastest. Just telling yourself to calm down is not going to do it. Most of the time, it doesn't. It makes it worse. But slowing the breath will get to your brain faster. So that's the more immediate. But ideally, and that's just the same for our businesses, right? Ideally, we want to be in the the place where we're able to think ahead, see things coming, plan for them. And that's, that's the idea of having a plan. All right. So we can say that planning is easy when you're thinking about it in advance, right? So um, just like you and on that mountain, like you had all the tools to do that. How do we, I guess, how, how does one make sure that they do have a plan even when it happens, right? Yeah, I know. So I would say it's, it's always a now, let's start now really things will be going on all the time it's not all like you know things will be calm next week or whatever uh, no it's not going to happen that way so let's carve out the time the same way you've made other things happen in your life you've carved out the time you've said enough i'm doing this now so it's similar in that sense uh creating this plan and i've made it especially in the book but even without the book it does not require five hours of thinking. It requires carving a bit of that time so that you can start putting things together for yourself so that you can have it moving forward. Any uh, person who started a, a business has made some level of planning. Some people like the idea of a business plan. Some people do not. It doesn't matter how you think about it, but you've thought about it <laughs> one way or the other. So it's similar here. It's the idea of carving out this time because the reality is that depending on how big or small your business is, but to some degree, you're the owner, you're the manager, and you're the talent. So we need to manage you to make sure that we're keeping your resilience one way or the other. And so how do we start? You carve out 10 minutes and you start thinking. Maybe 10 minutes this week is focusing on your values, listing that out. So you're really grounded in what is meaningful for you. 
And then another exercise next week, I can provide ideas and suggestions. So even if all you're doing is saying, all right, I'm going to invest 10 minutes on myself, on my own resilience once a week for four weeks. Within four weeks, you'll have your plan. It's not that long, but you've protected that time. I would love some of those examples because we we talk about how it's like you could plan for your business and some what ifs, right? But then you've got your personal and if you've got kids and you might have environmental or you might have, you know, world issues um, that could come in and take you off your feet. So um, I would love some examples if you can um, for kind of each of those aspects. Yes, exactly. So thinking about how extremely busy uh, business leaders um, who have demands, you know, like your your audience, you know, will have parenting demands and uh, or other personal demands, whether it's parenting or not, and then professional demands uh, leading their, their business. I brought together key elements that are focused enough that they will make sense to them and they provide enough information that you can create your plan that is in a way, but that is customized to you. So in a very simplified way, I would say, yes, the first thing you do is you write your values. You know some of them, obviously, but putting them down will just make the rest of the thinking a bit easier. Otherwise, we've all been there. It starts spinning. Like <laughs> You start thinking about so many things. It keeps you focused. It makes it easier to think for most people. You know yourself. If you're just not that person, fine, do it in your head. You know how, you know, what works for you. But clarity on your values, one way or the other, very important. So we do that. Second thing, writing, having realistic visibility on your demands and your sources of supply. Because otherwise, we're capable, we're optimistic, we're Mm -hmm. doing this which means we will minimize or disregard demands and therefore we'll have a biased assessment of what's on our plate. It will look like more doable. And nothing can take me down, right? That that kind of attitude. Yeah. (laughs) I'll get through anything. It's that head down again. It's a great attitude. We want to keep the the philosophy. We want to just pair it um, it with a bit more of a realistic perspective here to make sure you can take action on on the things that need action. So here, if you're listing your demands, you list your personal ones, your professional ones, the ones you don't want to have. Often we, it's easy to write those, but even those that you want to have, you just got this next huge contract, which you've wanted and worked for. That's very positive, but it is a demand that the size of what you'll need to invest now in the next three months is very different because of this very positive demand. So it goes on the list, right? And then you would list your sources of supply. You still managed to keep your two-minute meditation, maybe. Wonderful. It goes on the list. You wish you exercised, but you don't. You're not, you've stopped going for your walks. It's not going on the list. So it gives you a realistic perspective, not just not definitely not what you wish, but what is actually happening. Okay, so we're really just very uh, clear. Then you would explore your context. And I can go in more detail there, but bottom line is you want, again, to be realistic about your internal context that I call, which is very, it's almost like a similar um, matrix that 
you would have done in your business when you did a SWOT, a SWOT analysis, potentially looking at strength, weaknesses internally, and then opportunities and threats externally. So here for yourself as an individual, what are your natural strengths that will support your resilience? I value it. I'm a health person, whatever. And your internal sort of areas of challenge, like I value work so much that I'll put my help to the side to do work. External forces. I live in an area, so it makes it easy. I could step outside and go for a walk. I don't need to get into the car or transit. I can actually walk from here. Okay, nice. But then other threats. My kids will come around. Everyone, my friends are going through challenges right now, wanting my support. Many, many other things will happen that will pull me away from doing this walk, for example. So you've explored all this. And these are the exercises that I recommend we do to gain visibility, which then allows us to create a strategy that is really customized and realistic for you, Tina, for me, MH, for you know each of us separately. So it will look different for each of us. Are you an accomplished woman business owner with a story to tell? Do you crave a platform where you can share your journey, the good, the bad, and the ugly? Hey, everyone, it's Tina here. If you're fans of the show, then you know we are a show that celebrates the strengths and resilience of women entrepreneurs just like you. As we're getting this podcasting community going, I thought it would be fitting to an extended invitation to apply to join me as a guest on our Top 100 podcast platform. I started Women Choosing Growth because I believe that real growth happens when we come together and share our expertise and our experiences. We want to hear your inspiring stories, the challenges you face, and the lessons you've learned on your entrepreneur journey. Whether you've triumphed over adversity or faced setbacks head on, your story has the power to inspire and empower other women just like you. This platform is for you to showcase your achievements, highlight your expertise, and create meaningful connections within our community. So if you're a fearless woman business owner, unafraid to open up about your path to success, we want you on our show. Go to www.womenchoosinggrowth.com and join our community. From there, you'll be given the chance to fill out the short application. If you believe that you have a story to share, then why not? Once again, it's www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. I can't wait to feature more amazing and talented women in this community. Now, back to the show. I absolutely love that. As you saw, I was taking notes on that. Um, I, I'm going to come back to a couple things, but the values, I love that you said that too, because listeners can't hear it or can't see it, but on the shelf here behind me, I actually went through the exercise uh, and I can't remember where it's from, but I'll put it in the show notes of where there's like 50 cards and you literally work through them. Because for me to sit down and think like, what are my values? I, I wasn't clear, but you, it's kind of like a deck of cards. It is a deck of cards and you work through your values until you end up with five. And then I took it a step further and printed them and have them here in my office so that when challenges do come up, I'm like, or working on things that I shouldn't be working on or, you know, whatever challenges come up, like, am I in line with my five core values? So I love that exercise to figure out values. And I will put that in the notes just in case someone needs assistance figuring out what their values are. 
That's a great idea. This and and it, you're right. We do. It's not like we think about our values all day, every day. So yeah, we need inspiration a bit to get us thinking. Um, sometimes I even say, don't get hung up on the word values. Just think about what's most important for you in life. And so sometimes that's where people will say, okay, mountains. It's, it's not, it would not show up on a value list, but if someone really loves it, like me, for example, that probably would go on the list um, or even looking at lists online, but some ways to get the the reflection uh, going. I love it. That I love your card idea. Yes. Yes. And, and there's been times when I will bring that up, like, well, that, you know, I'm, I'm doing this because it's one of my core values where if someone else isn't aligned, it's, I, or I can't do that. Integrity is one of my core values. So like, nope, can't do that. <laughs> That's against my integrity. Um, and we have fun with it. So yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that is an awesome first step that I wouldn't have even had thought about. Um, and the SWOT analysis too makes perfect sense because if we don't, this is the time we do want to put our head down, right? But in a thinking manner, <laughs> Put your head down, give yourself a little SWOT analysis and be real. I heard you say that. Be honest with yourself, not the things you want to do. Like I want to be able to work out every morning for an hour, but I don't. Exactly. And and we can do this. That's in part how we've made so many things happen. How you, each of anyone here with us in this conversation, you've done this. And so you know the value, you know the benefits. All we're saying is, okay. Let's apply this to us here as the leader, the entrepreneur, the individual, so that we can get all these benefits. Yes, I love that. Before we go into how to actually get the plan, um, you know, down on paper or however you suggest it, um, I'm thinking, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but this should, this exercise should be not, it's not a one and done. Because I feel like my SWOT analysis, just like in business, would change depending on different things in seasonality or seasonality of my life. Is that a fair statement? Tina, you said it. That is exactly it. And that's exact, really exactly it. The idea of the way I got to this, really, um, to bring the psychology and the tr- strategic approach to it together is literally because I was working with individuals like yourselves and like uh, everyone who's joining us today who are used to these tools. And I used it as an analogy to, because they would come to me and say, MH, I don't know why I'm having a problem here. I've been dealing with all these demands before, but right now I'm going down. This is not working. And then we would talk about it and they would then keep still keep telling me, I don't need to do anything about my resilience. I am that person, you know, in in that. Then I would, the only way I could get in literally is use the business analogy and say, but wait here on the business side, would you just have a good idea and go out and implement it? Or you would have your good idea and then do all kinds of analysis. Who is buying this? Who else is offering this? How much are they willing to pay for it? What forces might impact this in the next one, two, five years? You would do all this thinking. So here is the same thing. And so very much aligned with what you're saying. Yes, the context will change. And the strength of a good plan is to be aligned with the context. So yes, same as business. We want to keep assessing how that's going. And same as in business, we would evolve a strategic plan. We want to do the same here. So not a one and done. It usually will last. It depends on how fast your context is changing, how much of it you're able to implement. 
Um, but it will need to evolve over time. Absolutely. And once you've done it, it's it gets easier and easier to evolve it. Right. Once you open up that I'm not perfect window. <laughs> the first SWOT analysis, right? <laughs> I'm still fabulous uh, and not perfect. That's true. Yes. 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 That actually makes you even more fabulous when you can admit that you're not perfect. Love it. Yes. Love it. All right. So we're going to do our values. We're going to um, write down our visible demands. We're going to do the SWOT analysis. Now, so we have all of that. And what, what happens next? What happens Got all then? this stuff. I, I've done no, it. No. Now what? <laughs> now we're ready to play. Um, what I would say is, so next, and again, I do recommend a bit in writing, just easier to think, but each person knows themselves. And so you do, you do you. But if you're going to do it in writing, um, and, and in business, we often would do that because we're needing to share the, the information with others. So um, many would be familiar with this. In business, what we would do is identify the goal, let's say launch this new product. And then we would identify often three strategic pillars main directions that we need to invest in in order to reach this goal. Sometimes there will be more strategic pillars, four or five, usually not 10, but let's say three for right now. And within each strategic direction, there would be tactics, right? actions that you will implement that will bring this pillar to life. So same thing here. You take your sheet of paper at the top. The goal is increase my resilience, three columns to start with. Uh, pillar one, pillar two, pillar three. And what the pillars are, that's where we're now getting customized. It will vary. Your pillars will be different from mine. Mine today will be different from mine four months from now. Uh, so it will vary, but it will be informed by all these things we just wrote down. So I'll give you an example. So let's say we're working with someone who within their values uh, wrote uh, power. And one of their values was family. One of their values was health. Okay. And then in there, looking at their demands and supply, they looked at all the demands that are here, multiple, three quarters of which are work and business related, and struggled to find one thing to write on the supply front. So already we're like, oh, okay, wait a second. And then looked at their context where the demands are through the roof, like outside the roof, <laughs> completely gone. Mm -hmm. And and so they start seeing that something needs to be done to bring back a bit of health and a bit of family in here, and probably a bit of boundaries as it relates to the work demands. So there you go. You can have your three pillars right there. Pillar one is health. Pillar two is, oh, family and then boundaries. Okay. So that could be an example. You've got your three pillars. And then within each of them, now that's a key, key element here. Because again, the same risk is there. You're going to, everyone, we here, all of us in this conversation, will tend to want to put really big actions here. Bad idea. We want extremely small, ridiculously small actions that you're 85% or more certain you can start tomorrow. So you don't need to clear your schedule to do any of it. So specific example, let's say one pillar is health and you've done zero exercise for the last, as far as you can remember, then maybe one action here is to commit to standing outside for two minutes, breathing, doing nothing else, no phone in your hand, no nothing, alarm, just an alarm maybe to, to remember to go back in after two minutes. <laughs> But all you're doing for these two minutes is being out there and breathing. That's it. 
So you see, very small. Everyone has two minutes. It's doable. And then you would find maybe two or three actions under each, just so you have options. But this is doable. Two minutes. We use two minutes for all kinds of other things. It's even the busiest person. If you really want to, you can. Then on the family pillar, let's say sometimes you do work from home, which, you know, uh, most people would do at times one way or the other. Well, okay. Maybe you realize that when you're, say, responding to emails, sometimes a family member will come in to your office to talk to you. And you're like, oh, just one minute. Okay. Maybe you play with the idea that next time, if your door is open, so it's fine for them to come in. If someone comes in, you're ejecting yourself from your chair. You stand up immediately, turn around and smile. Listen to this person. You said this is a value. Nothing's going to happen here. You're just doing email. You're not like in the middle of a podcast, obviously. But <laughs> you're, for, for those other moments, yes, it's doable. It totally is doable, right? So that may be an example of an action, okay? On the boundary pillar, example of action, maybe there is, you realize that you're absolutely 24-7 right now. You're just checking, responding, being there all the time. Okay, everyone needs a break. That's a, a, just a reality. It's established by research. We know this. So you may need to start gradually. If you've done zero of it, maybe an example of an action is next time you come home from something for the first five minutes, phone stays in your, the, your, your jacket's pocket somewhere and, and you're taking the jacket off. So <laughs> it's <Yeah>. not on <laughs> you. <laughs> somewhere else. <laughs> somewhere else. And you do that for five minutes. So unless you're specifically scheduled to be on call and there are on-call rotations and that kind of thing, highly likely you can actually carve out five minutes that you're not attached to the phone. And that may be an example. We're starting to implement that boundary pillar. These are examples. I love that. It made me think of um, someone I was just communicating with in the last few weeks and their email signature literally says if we have, I believe in the, the three email rule, if we correspond on the same email more than three times, we need to pick up the phone. So you can have multiple topics going on, but if it's the same topic, they're like, nope, we're going to have to have a phone call about this, which I haven't seen before, but I think is brilliant, right? There's no reason to go back a 15 email thread on one topic. So that was something interesting and totally came to mind when you're saying about boundaries. Yeah, it's it's a great, I have not seen this one either, but what is good about something like this, whether it's this one or other ones, this person created, in a way, a rule for themselves that uh, just seems to work most of the time and decreases the cognitive load, seriously. Like, you don't have to rethink the whole thing each time. And often, especially in very, very busy schedules, the more we can have rules like this, the more it minimizes the demands. And so whether this is your rule or you have another, like every single meal, I'll make sure there is at least a piece of fruit or a piece of colored vegetable, for example. Create these rules. It makes it simple. We're not wondering if we're going to do it or not. It's a rule. Right. And it's not something overwhelming again, like you nope. said, something simple like get up, walk outside or stand or take a two minute break, whatever, versus like, I'm going to work out every day for an hour. Like that's, that's a more, that's more stressful. I feel like I would go back on that <laughs> analysis, right? Be like, nope, set too big of a goal for myself there. So I love that it's little things that you really can't give yourself an excuse why you didn't do it. Yes. Yes. And even then, interestingly, 
logically, right? Like you say, it's so small that technically we should be able. And sometimes we are, sometimes even then we're not. But we learn from trying. So let's say I told myself I would meditate for two minutes in the morning, but then often the schedule of the morning just does not work for it. It was very simple. It was just two minutes. I still did not do it. Fine. We're just learning from it. Keep the growth mindset. This one didn't work. We don't let go. We don't beat ourselves up. We don't feel guilty. We just say, oh, what can I learn from this? Doesn't look like it works. Let's do the two minute before my lunch. Let's make sure I do the two minute before getting out of my car into the house. Whatever. You explore, experiment until you find something that works. Yes. And I think uh, one thing you sort of hit on it too is like everyone, well, you definitely hit on this. Everyone is different. So everyone's plan is different. For me, like I, I do work out most every day. Um, but I noticed that when I didn't, there was like no proof of it. So I literally just created a chart in my gym that I keep track for eight weeks. So it's on there. Anyone who comes over to our house will be able to see which days I worked out and which days I didn't, which is motivation for me to be like, we have family coming for the holidays. I want to make sure I have enough check marks on those days because that's a personal motivator for me, right? Now that might not motivate someone else, but I know myself well enough to know like if I have these goals, um, how I'm personally motivated by them. So I feel like when people are doing their plan, looking at themselves, what motivates me might not motivate you, but that would help me to make some of those little tiny goals as well. Exactly. I, that, thank you for sharing this example, because this is how often as a community, we help each other thinking about, oh, this is what worked for Tina. What would be my equivalent? Or, you know, in which ways can I make this work or something different work for me? But beautiful for you, because this, now you've got the, you know, what gets measured gets done aspect of it, which is great. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you even have that social support, informal, indirect, but it's visible. And for you, it serves as an additional motivator. So it's it's wonderful and it works, obviously. So good for you. Right. Because I could let myself down and not work out every day or my goal is five days a week. So, but when families come in, other people are going to see it. That's my motivator. <laughs> I want to make sure no one else sees that. So I've been good since I put that chart up <laughs> for that very reason. Okay. So I, I love this values, um, writing the demands, um, the sources of supply, basically the SWOT analysis, then putting a plan together and revisiting it on a regular basis. Am I missing other? I mean, there's a lot of pieces to that. Is there more? <laughs> it's uh, that that's a great summary of the key pieces. Yes, there are other pieces like when to realize that you're actually trending towards burnout, right? Catching these signs and connecting with resources because a lot of this requires you to do it. It's, it's still it's not going to take you a long amount of time, but it will take you some time. And sometimes what will people will realize as they're considering implementing this is like, oh, I have nothing. I'm at the bottom of my tank now kind of thing. Mm. And if this is where you're at, then I would say, put this aside for right now. You'll come back to it later. But for right now, we need to fill that tank again. And if we're at the bottom of our tank, that's usually a time when we want to connect with additional resources, connecting with a registered physical health professional to even see what's going on there, registered mental health professional to make sure we got people helping us customize what needs to happen next now, because 
bottom of the tank um, situation makes it even hard to think and identify what's best for us. So that's an example of one of those other aspects to, to consider. And there are many others. But in a nutshell, yes, this is it. It does not need to be complicated. Literally, um, often I say my, my book is very concise and people can literally get it at the beginning of the flight on a, de- you know, a bit of a longer flight. You'll get out of that plane with your plan. So it's doable by busy people. It will, you know, I know people don't have a lot of time. The exercises don't take a lot of time, but they pay off. It's similar to everyone has experienced this. You decide to do 20% of something that ideally you would have wanted to do 100, but you only really have time and you scale it down to 20%. You do that and you're like, oh, it feels like 80 like I've only touched it for 20% and so much more, the, the impression of the impact is much bigger. And um, that's quite possibly what you'll observe with this. I think that's key. I'm so glad you just said that because I think a, a lot of entrepreneur women and leaders um, are a bit of a perfectionist, right? So they might've wrote their plan down that I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and then they feel bad because they didn't. But what you're saying is give yourself permission. Like you did some of these things on your plan and it's making movement, it's making changes. So you, you are going in the right direction, even if you weren't perfect at it. Oh yes. Yes. And research and psychology would absolutely back you up because what you're doing, whenever we're taking action, the technical term is active coping. Okay. And whenever, <laughs> yeah, I know that's, that's what we do. And so, but, but literally we've, we've actually, and fun fact, it's actually interesting because let's say we're dealing with it challenging situation, which we could try something actively, or we could try nothing, just sit down, watch a TV show, whatever, passive coping, that's called. Anytime we're trying something here, it actually increases our sense of self-efficacy, the belief that we can influence things. And the fun fact is, whether what you try actually changes this situation or not, because you've tried something actively, it will increase your sense of self-efficacy one way or the other. So supporting exactly your point that what we're saying is try something, even if it's small, it may or may not work, doesn't matter, but stay active in trying to continue to uh, incorporate in action there. That is interesting. It is a fun fact. (laughs) Perfect. Well, I uh, am so thankful for you to be with us today and sharing this, I think it seems logical, right? Um, but I don't think people are doing it. So I'm so thankful that your book's coming out because that I that has more some some more examples and actionable steps in there. Um, so I would recommend, and we'll put a link um, on on our show notes for that. But sometimes simple things are the thing that we need, right? That's right. Yes. Yes. Um, the, the, what will change something here mostly is the action. So even, you know, talking about it, reading about it, all good. The only thing that will actually make a difference is each of our actions. Uh, and especially if you're uh, an entrepreneur, you're leading people. This, one of these people is yourself. And so some of that is for you, but there are people around you. So as you share some of your choices, much like you're making it visible what you've done in terms of your exercise for yourself. If you're making, you're trying, you're experimenting with a better boundary here and there, or with, you know, making sure you're carving out two minutes for yourself, share with others that you're doing it. If 
you're using a, a book or a program to support what you're doing, whether it's mine or another, put the book on the desk. So people will say, oh, what's that book? And then you'll say, I'm trying to invest even more in protecting my ability to go through all the demands we'll be facing so that I can stay excited and engaged with them. So you're contributing to even a culture within your team where we're all doing this, right? So your influence will will grow even, even wider. I think that's a great offer for uh, leaders to share with other leaders as well, right? So in, yes. a, in a corporation type of feel, if everyone had their own resilience plan, imagine what that company could do. Yeah. And that's the goal. <laughs> that's the goal. Nothing can stop them now. <laughs> awesome. Um, any last words or bit of advice for our listeners today? I would say stay curious about ways to increase your resilience. Yes, I do think we need to make sure we broaden our perspective that, yeah, 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 we all need to invest in it. We all need to invest in it in a way that's customized for us uh, individually here. And part of how we're going to get there is taking actions and staying curious to look for these opportunities and then experimenting with actions. It's all about actions. It's all about action. I love it. Well, thank you, Miss MH. Um, I, I've said it a couple of times today, but I'm very thankful for having you with us today. And um, I can't wait to actually read the entire book. Oh, thanks, Tina. Thank you for, I'm very thankful for our conversation as well. And um, uh, thank you for your kind words uh, about the book as well. Loved talking to you and uh, looking for all of us to build even more resilience. Yes, here's to that. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. The Woman Choosing Growth Show is not just another podcast. It's a tribe of women helping each other grow. So please share this podcast with all the women entrepreneurs that you would love to see succeed. If you'd like to know more about customized business advising through Cultivate Advisors, download business tools, or sign up for upcoming events visit www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. Once again, that's www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. Remember, we are in this together. See you on the next one.